Welcome to Peer Into Recovery, a podcast with a focus on the profession of peer support. For more information about how to subscribe, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Danielle Donaldson. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Jason Cox about staying connected in a syndemic. Jason Cox is the lead certified peer recovery specialist with Alive RVA in Sarah of Virginia. He has worked alongside others in the community, such as the DEA, Discovery Education, Safe Opioid Prevention Task Force, and many others to assist in taking positive action in the community and reduce the stigma of substance use disorder one step at a time. Jason is living in long-term recovery and plans to continue gaining knowledge to become the most effective peer recovery specialist possible. Jason is truly grateful for the opportunity to give this knowledge to those who need help and seek recovery from substance use disorder and addiction. Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good, too. I'm glad the the week is almost over. Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) So um, just to get started, would you mind sharing uh, with the audience how you started working uh, in peer support? Sure. Um, So I was actually painting for uh, the first year of my recovery, and um, that was something that I had never never really did before. Um, But... At about a year, I um, I had an opportunity to take the uh, peer recovery specialist 72-hour course, and at the time, I, I really didn't have the money either, um, but a, um, a friend of mine, well, actually a, another organization that I was managing a recovery house for, uh, offered to pay a, a large portion of the fee, and so, um, you know, somebody that believed in me and, and uh, wanted to give me an opportunity to uh, to kind of move forward with this this um, career path, and uh, so I did. I took the course, and then um, uh, another friend uh, that that also was in recovery and working in recovery, um, I, I took the course. I continued painting, and then um, a friend of mine stopped me after one of our recovery meetings, and uh, asked me if I would be interested in working for Sarah Virginia and said that he might have an opportunity for me and um so he he gave them my name and uh gave me their information and i, I went up there and talked to him and uh i've been with sarah virginia ever since that's wonderful i love hearing all these stories of kind of um people paying it forward you know you you yeah. somebody recognizes um potential in you and then you can you can do the same for others um uh, that's one of my favorite things about peer support. Absolutely. Um, before we get into it, um, could you please uh, describe what a syndemic is for those who are new to the word? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I just discovered it a, a couple months ago, but um, and I think most people have, or, or if they haven't, it's, it's something that's new to us. It's uh, having two pandemics go on at the same time or two to uh, we've got an epidemic with the opioid epidemic and then we have the uh, the pandemic that's going on with uh, with COVID. And so what about this topic um, 
has drawn you in? What interests you about, um, you know, creating connections, fostering connections in a syndemic? So um, it's, for one, it's probably, um, it's probably the first time uh, any of us have ever encountered this, uh, you know, and especially for those of us in recovery, you know, so we're, we're trying to um, deal with the isolation that comes with our disease and then um, the isolation that's presented with uh, COVID, you know, it has, it has kind of exacerbated um, just the, the feelings of loneliness and isolation. And so it's, uh, it's what it has done for, I think, the, the peer recovery world is that it's, it's kind of exploited some of our weaknesses um, in the ways that we connect. And it's allowed us to get better in that sense. Yeah, I think I understand what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I know some of the obvious challenges. Um, for example, you know, obviously we're all isolating to protect ourselves and others from catching COVID. But um, what are maybe some of the other challenges that peer recovery specialists are are, are facing that aren't as immediately obvious? Well, I think one of the, the most apparent that, that we've seen um, working on the, uh, the live RVA warm line is that we're seeing a lot more. So we, we get a lot of calls from uh, folks that have co-occurring disorders. And for those of you that, that aren't familiar, co-occurring just means that um, you've, got, you've got two different illnesses as far as uh, you may have substance abuse and then um, a severe mental illness along with it or, or just a mental illness to go along with that. And so uh, something that we've been really seeing a lot more of is the mental health aspect. So um, s- somebody may have their, their substance use disorder in check and their recovery on track and, and not their mental illness. And um, it's, it's, you know, it has... Uh, kind of had a lot of folks, uh, their, their mental illnesses flare up on them, I guess you could say. Um, but it's presented a lot more challenges to not just us in the substance, uh, substance abuse world, but to the mental health world as well. And so um, with us just being a peer run warm line, you know, we get a lot of those calls where uh, we may not have the experience necessary to to kind of provide that therapeutic value um, that we can with substance abuse. So that's probably the biggest challenge that, that we faced and making sure that we get those folks to um, somewhere, you know, a, another resource where they're going to get the best possible support. Um, you know, it's kind of, I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, if I don't, if I don't have what what is required to provide support to you, then I know who does. You know, we, we've uh, made a lot of collect connections along the way um, with different organizations. One of our partners is Mental Health America of Virginia, and they also have a warm line. So um, we've been referring a lot of folks um, that that have this going on to, to them as well. Um, Let me ask you kind of a follow-up question to that, because Virginia is unique in that they don't, our peer recovery specialists do not specialize even further as in um, 
you know, being specific to mental health recovery or specific to substance mm -hmm. use recovery. It's, you know, the intention was to combine uh, both of those specialties into just one peer recovery specialist certification. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that's working? Do you, because um, I, I come, I come to this as a peer recovery specialist who um, obviously is on the mental health side. That is my lived experience. But, you know, I, I would love to learn more about substance use um, recovery. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, there, it, it, it feels separate to me still. So I'm, sure. I'm kind of curious as um, how you experience it on your end. And mm -hmm. what do you think peer recovery specialists could do to kind of interact more? You know what I mean? As far as between mm -hmm. the mental health and the substance use side. Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, for one, um, Mr. Sarah of Virginia has been extremely instrumental in um, kind of helping with that, at least in, in my case and, and others that um, have participated at Sarah, whether it be volunteers or anything like that. Um, so, when I got to Sarah, <clears throat> essentially my, my goal was to, because I know, I know there's still so much to learn, um, but Sarah was able to provide me with uh, a number of trainings on mental health. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've taken mental health first aid that was provided for free by United Healthcare. And I'm, I'm sure that they still do those trainings. I'm sure they've probably adopted a virtual platform. Um, and I'm not, you know, it's, it's been a while, but, um, it was a really good, really informative training. Um, we've taken other trainings like uh, the assist training, which is applied suicide intervention training. Um, so, you know, for, for me, it was trying to uh, really just gain as much knowledge as, as, I, ugh, <laughs> as much knowledge as I could, um, so that I could be more effective. You know, I know that mm -hmm. I don't know it all, um, and I also know that the information's out there. Uh, we just need to know what. <laughs> You know, what is it that um, that we need to know and where can we get that training from? Um, and, you know, the staff there has uh, continuously kind of reached out to try to find out what new trainings are out there. There's a lot of webinars. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, topic discussions uh, with other professionals in the or in the uh, in the field um, where a lot of these these uh, issues are talked about. And I do definitely agree that it's still um, it's still kind of considered separate. Um, and I think a lot of that just has to do with the stigma. I mean, you know, um, you, you see somebody with a severe mental illness and then you see somebody with uh, that's extremely sick with substance use disorder. And, and it looks a lot different, you know, mm -hmm. um, sticking a needle in your arm and stealing stuff uh, may not necessarily go along with with a. Uh, with a severe mental illness um, or any type of other mental health challenge. So I think uh, addiction in its, in its uniqueness and kind of the symptoms of that have um, helped to separate it uh, in society's view. And it's unfortunate, but um, really I think that the best thing that we can do is to continue to advocate and show, um, you know, the public and, and anybody else that has any type of interest, because everybody's really affected by this um, in one form or another. And so just to continue to advocate 
um, and show you know everybody what recovery can look like um, as opposed to what it may look like in active addiction is probably our best tool. Do you have any recommendations for trainings that um, mental health peer recovery specialists could take to gain more information about substance use recovery? Um, that's a that's a really good question, and I think that that kind of opens a door that really needs to be opened. Is that um, there aren't really any trainings that are specified towards the the that that I'm aware of. Uh, I'm not going to say that there's not any, but you know, it's uh, I, I think the best knowledge you could get is from you know talking to uh, peer recovery specialists. That's you know, got experience in that, in that field or that, that kind of realm and, um, you know, just kind of kick it around and, and ask your questions and stuff like that. And like I said, some of those discussions are happening and I actually reached out to someone, um, the other day to ask whether there was a training that would explain all of the multiple pathways to SUD recovery. Um, because that 72 hour course covers a lot of information. Um, and it would be nice to have kind of like a briefer uh, or a more brief course, uh, that someone could go through to just kind of, for someone that's already working in the field to brush up, but also, uh, something that's not quite as extensive for someone that's already in the field, but may be in the mental health, uh, world to take and, and brush up on as well. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Um, I also, you know, I, I imagine I would love to see like a round table of just mental health um, and substance use disorder, peer recovery specialists, just kind of, you know, sharing ideas, sharing um, training, sharing their experiences with each other, kind of um, coaching each other through, you know, their own lived experience and, and what it looks like. Um, from the other side. I mean, I know there's a lot of crossover, like you said, co-occurring co yeah. disorders are not unusual, but. Um, yeah. And I mean, to be honest, there's like, uh, you know, for me, I've never been like formally diagnosed with any type of mental illness, but <clears throat> at the same time, I know that there are days when I, when I suffer from, you know, <laughs> a, 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 a grippling, uh, or a crippling dose of anxiety, or, uh, you know, there's days when life shows up and I may not be as spiritually fit as I'd like. And, um, you know, depression comes on and stuff like that. So, uh, it's not, not anything that that's ever been formally diagnosed for myself, but that's not to say that I don't have experience with coping with it. You know, mm -hmm. I think a oh, lot I of people probably are in that, in that same realm. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, I think that, you know, anxiety, uh, depression, a lot of those things are truly universal and everybody experiences them whether they receive a, a diagnosis or not. Right. Um, ha has technology been any kind of challenge for you um, in this syndemic? Uh, I tell you what, technology's probably been a lifesaver for a lot of people. Um, I know that 12-step uh, fellowships have adopted virtual platforms uh, due to the due to COVID, and 
you know, I hear a lot of people say that it's, it's just not the same. And, and I agree. I mean, you know, getting, getting, uh, or having that physical contact with someone, it's, it's not, it's not the same, but at the same time, I mean, recovery teaches us to follow the rules and like teaches us to be responsible people. And, um, it's there's still a lot of people out there recovering and and the digital platform and the technology that's kind of um like i said earlier you know it's kind of exploited some of our weaknesses and now uh god willing and and the, the pandemic ends after everybody gets vaccinated or whatever that looks like um we can still keep this virtual platform around because uh, it is extremely convenient when you're not able to you know maybe you you know you just get off work and you got to go home and you can't necessarily uh, go to a support group physically or anything like that you can just pop on there and uh, share where you're at with some other folks that can help support you so i think it's been um, like just extremely instrumental in the recovery process for not just for for suv but for for mental illness um, you know, being doing telehealth and stuff like that, I think it's been a continuous lifesaver. And I would imagine and I hope that um, it will continue to be that. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, that that's been one kind of positive outcome from this is that we've learned that we can't we can shift uh, to a virtual environment and like you said, it may not be ideal, but it is connecting some people in ways that they've never been able to connect before. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I live in Southwest Virginia and, you know, transportation is a big issue down here. We don't have the type of public um, transportation uh, opportunities that someone in a, in a urban environment would have. You know, we don't have that kind right. of bus service and that sort of thing. So, that again, we still have internet, you know, there's still a, a technology challenge in that we probably don't have the mm-hmm. internet support either. But it right. is, I, I, I agree, I would love to see this continue and have more of a hybrid sort of approach from here on out where we can still, mm-hmm. you know, meet in person um, when it's possible, but also continue this online connections as well for those, you know, that it's either more convenient or maybe it's even more comfortable. Um, you know, sure. as someone who who deals with anxiety, you know, I actually feel more uncomfortable. I feel more comfortable doing this than I would in uh, right in person. Right. I mean, even if you don't suffer from anxiety, let's let's be honest. I mean, who who really wants to go sit in the doctor's office around a bunch of sick people? <laughs> you know, while while they're trying to figure out what's wrong with them. You know. So yeah. I think it's um, there, it's got its ups and its downs, but I think for the most part, um, it has kind of shown us some new ways to connect. And um, I think the the organizations that I've seen, or or even the the folks in recovery that I've seen that take an open minded approach to it, um, and and don't necessarily cast it aside right off the bat, are the ones that are actually you know really kind of thriving. Um, through all of this, as opposed to, uh, you know, kind of just shutting it down, casting it aside. And then, you know, we, one day we wake up and we're wondering why we are so isolated and, uh, you know, we're, we're not connected like we should be to our support system. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me ask you this. Um, 
you know, overwhelm, compassion fatigue. Uh, I know that a lot of peer specialists or any really anybody who's in a supportive position um, for people in recovery uh, or even, you know, not even recovery, just any type of uh, healthcare situation, uh, overwhelming mm -hmm. compassion fatigue is, is always um, a, a, a risk, I guess, or a, a possibility. Do you have any um, tips or tricks that you've learned by working on uh, the warm line? Uh, do you have any um, thing that you could share with the audience about, about that? Yeah, that's, that's a that's a good question, and I think, um, really, and I know it seems like I keep going back to this, but it's just been so instrumental for me and the rest of the team, um, is that we continue to support one another. Um, you know, I mean, these are things that need to be discussed. If you know, if, if for whatever reason, especially with the amount of calls that we get that are co-occurring where it doesn't pertain to substance abuse, um, those calls can be extremely taxing because, you know, we're, we want to help. It's just that if I don't have the experience um, to provide that, that kind of therapeutic value uh, or that, that peer support, then I, it, it invokes a whole bunch of different feelings. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm helping this person. Uh, some calls, you know, the caller may get frustrated because they're not getting what they need. And so, um, you know, it, it takes a toll on us, especially uh, it has, it has a, a quite a, a cumulative effect where you continue to take these same calls knowing that, you know, you don't necessarily have exactly what's needed to uh, provide that type of support. And it makes you feel very helpless and it's taxing emotionally. Uh, and then, and then eventually it starts taxing you physically uh, because of depression or, or whatever the case may be. But um, just staying, staying connected to your support group, you know, support being supported by um, your, your, your staff, you know, not just, uh, the people that you work alongside, but the people that are over top of you, um, having that support from above, you know, when you, when you need a day or you need to kind of share where you're at and, and without judgment, um, I think that's extremely important because, uh, there's no rule book, no rule book to this. You know, we've never been in a situation like this before. So it, it, it begs us to kind of be open-minded as, uh, you know, not only as staff or people in recovery um, or supervisors or whatever the case may be, um, this is a time where we have to continue to support one another. And the less that we do, the worse that it will get. Um, but that's been the biggest thing that we've kind of um, not just adopted, but uh like really tried to build on is staying connected as a team to the team and having that open space where anybody can kind of voice where they're at about a particular situation. And um, we can all kind of chime in on, on how we're all coping with it. And I think that's been extremely instrumental in um, the warm line continuing to thrive and provide quality peer support. 
do you guys have a regular process for that or does it just come up organically as needed? Well, that's, that's another good question. So, um, yes, we do have a process. Uh, basically, you know, if, if someone experiences a tough call, um, we're linked in through, uh, what is it? Microsoft teams mm -hmm. where it connects the whole team. And, um, if somebody has something that, you know, say somebody has a tough call, they can, uh, they can say, Hey, look, um, this is what, this is what I experienced on this call. Um, and, and I've, I've been encouraging everyone lately to, um, you know, drop those, those ideas or those feelings in that, you know, in that chat, um, so that, you know, we get everybody's perspective. Um, because again, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. Um, but I know that, you know, as a team, we can certainly, um, we can certainly get through whatever it is better as a team uh, supporting one another. And so uh, that's kind of been the process for that. And then also if, um, if it's something that, you know, they need to speak uh, individually with me with uh, I, you know, that, that door is always open. Um, and I think it's really important just to uh, kind of remind ourselves uh, as, as, I guess, I don't know, leadership, whatever, management, whatever you want to call it, that, uh, you know, we're, we're subject to the same feelings. We're subject to the same calls. Um, these things uh, can affect us too. You know, it may not be the case every day, but um, I think showing a healthy dose of compassion as opposed to judgment or ridicule uh, goes quite a long way. Absolutely. So um, as a final question, uh, for those out there who may not feel like they have a support system, do you have any recommendations or suggestions on how they can find connection? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. Um, so one of the big things that uh, we definitely push to the uh, peers calling is that um, Sarah, Virginia, has virtual groups online that are uh, extremely well-rounded. So it's not, um, it's not 12 step. It's not, uh, although 12 steppers are welcome. Um, but these groups are, uh, like I said, extremely vast in the amount of, uh, topics that they cover. And there's groups for, there's one called all recovery, which is kind of what it sounds like, you know, it's just a, a, a group where folks can go in and discuss where they're at in their recovery, regardless of pathway and, um, you know, without judgment and gain support. They can, uh, they can either show their face if they want to, if they're not, if they don't want to, they, they can choose to uh, just call in. There's a call in feature. And like I said, there's a ton of different groups. So there's anger management groups, there's marijuana recovery groups, there's uh, medically assisted recovery support group for folks that are on MAT that may be stigmatized in other pathways of recovery. Um, so it, it's, like I said, it's very well-rounded and there's, there's a lot of great discussion and great support in those groups. Uh, great people leading them. Uh, we've got a lot of good volunteers that, um, really enjoy what they're doing and finding out this new information, coping skills, uh, different techniques. 
and sharing that uh, with with uh, like-minded folks that are headed in the same direction. And those people connect over this virtual platform and continue to stay connected and support one another, um, whether it be in the Sarah groups or, or you know, outside of that, you know, which I think is a, a huge, um, it, it says a lot about those groups in general, you know, because uh, those connections last uh, even if they stop going, you know, which is, which is really, really huge. Um, also, if, uh, and those are five days a week, three times a day. Um, and each, each group is different. Like I said, I mean, the participation has gone up quite a bit. Uh, like I said, we've got great staff leading that group and great volunteers that um, enjoy running the group. So that's, that's one huge way um, to stay connected. And like I said, you know, for those that don't, you know, they, whether they want to protect their anonymity or just not be seen or not even be heard, they're welcome to just kind of call in and listen to, um, to others experience and gain from that. Um, and then, you know, us being on the warm line, we get calls from all over, uh, the United States. And that's not something that, you know, I would say happens every day, but, uh, at least, you know, probably once a week, we get a call from out of state or something like that. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're just kind of a, a open door for anybody that's struggling with substance use disorder, um, and seeking addiction recovery resources, whether it be in the Richmond area or even, you know, like I said, for somebody that's out of state, uh, we'll, we'll pop on, you know, and, and try our best to find uh, local resources in their area as well. So, um, and everybody that answers the, the line is in recovery from substance abuse. So, you know, and, and there's some really, really experienced um, well-qualified, passionate um, folks that, that work that warm line. And I'm, I'm truly honored to be a part of it for sure. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful um, resource. Uh, warm lines in general, um, especially like you said, when they're staffed with uh, experienced personnel, uh, they can even if they're not familiar, like you said, with the state, for example, you, you guys have the experience to know what to look for and, and could probably yeah. find some resources um, more quickly than maybe someone who's uh, doesn't even know what to Google, you know? So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, uh, that's been a big help. I think, you know, because we were talking about technology earlier. I mean, if somebody calls me from Kentucky and wants you know, a, a, a methadone clinic that's near them. All they got to do is give me a zip code and uh, we can pull up some resources in their area. So, you know, technology continues to um, to serve us well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Who knew that it would be such a um, savior in these times right now? I know, so. right? I know, right? Well, thank you, Jason, uh, for what you do. And thank you sure. so much for joining me today. I really appreciate the, the time you took um, to speak with us. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. And um, if I could just say one more thing is that Absolutely. Uh, our, our warm line is in operation from eight in the morning to midnight, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So if anybody, um, you know, if you know somebody struggling, um, please give them our number. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. Can I, can I say the number on here? Oh, please do. Yeah, please feel free yeah. to share any, um, 
Okay. Phone numbers, uh, website addresses, whatever you'd like. Awesome. Yeah. So the, the warm line number is 1-833-473-3782. And that is the Alive RVA warm line project. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, uh, everybody loves what they do. Um, you will get no judgment from us. We just want to help support you and kind of, um, help you find whatever it is that you're looking for, as long as it pertains to recovery from, from your illness. And, uh, if, if we don't have the experience required for whatever it is you're going through, uh, we, we are well connected in the community and take pride in our relationships with the community and other organizations. Uh, so that we can send you somewhere um, reliable and that is going to provide you with exactly what it is that you need help with. Excellent. Thank you again. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for listening to the Peer into Recovery podcast brought to you by the Virginia Peer Recovery Specialist Network and Mental Health America Virginia. If you'd like our show and would like to subscribe to the podcast, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. And please leave us a review on iTunes. Take good care of yourselves. <laughs>